right, everyone, welcome to episode seven of State of the Nation. So what we do on State of the Nation is we talk about what's happening in the nation. I'm talking about the bankless nation, of course. We relate it to big picture stuff, and then we drop some insights and action items. This show comes out on YouTube because we like to show the visuals when we can. It's all about the visuals, seeing David's face, seeing my face, seeing our special guest's face, being able to peek inside the graphs and some of the analytics behind the things that we're talking about. And we leave you with a list of resources in the show notes to check out. So this comes out on Tuesday. So it's Tuesday when you're watching this on YouTube. You get it earlier when you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you do that. And then we release it on the Bankless uh, podcast stream on Wednesday so you can catch it via just audio that way. David, how are you doing today, sir? Absolutely fantastic. The the Bankless Nation has a lot of energy in it. Uh, and so it's been absolutely wild seeing that energy grow. And there's also just a ton of energy, not just uh, in the Bankless Nation, in greater Ethereum, and even in the greater crypto sphere at large. Lots, lots of energy to talk about. So lots of topics to get through. Uh, we have, yeah, like, like you mentioned, we did bring on a very special guest to help us dissect where some of this energy is coming from. Uh, but we will get to that later. Yes, yes, the secret intro. All right, before we do, and before I ask you the question, David, so get your, get your answer ready, sir. Mm-hmm. We should talk about our fantastic sponsors. I want to start by telling you a little bit about Argent. So Argent is a smart contract wallet for Ethereum for all of these DeFi protocols, these money Legos that I personally use. David uses it. Everyone I know in the bankless community uses this wallet in some form or fashion because it is just drop dead simple to use. You get easy access to Aave, you get easy access to Compound, pool together, Kyber, token sets, you can do all sorts of things with it. It's secure and easy to use. So this is actually a great entry um, wallet for your friends and family. This is like a Venmo type experience. It's all mobile. There's no seed phrase involved. You can even set up social recovery, which is key. It's non-custodial, most importantly. So this thing is ultimately bankless. Uh, You can check it out at the link that we will include in the show notes, or you can go to argent.link slash state for a state of the nation uh, special deal. So that's argent.link slash state and check that out. Aave is a borrowing and lending platform on Ethereum, definitely responsible for a decent chunk of that energy that I was talking about. Uh, So if you want to supply collateral and earn an interest rate, Aave is the place for you. If you want to borrow assets to participate in yield farming, liquidity mining, all of that energy, Aave is also the place for you. And developers who are, are leading the charge, you can check out their flash loans protocol where you can borrow any amount of assets with zero collateral so long as you pay it back in the same transaction. There's a lot of potential here with Money Legos. Uh, there's the ideas and ideation that we can go to, to think about how you can leverage this thing uh, is endless. Uh, so developers, check them out. Uh, you can go and find out all about Aave at Aave.com. Uh, One of my favorite features about Aave is their stable interest loans, which is such an important thing to be able to replace the existing financial system with bankless financial systems. Uh, Stable interest loans help people think in the long term. They help businesses make business decisions, and they just will help the bankless nation go faster. Uh, Aave has just been climbing the charts with on on DeFi Pulse with uh, value locked up in their contracts. So rip-roaring success. 
So tip of the hat to them for, for everything that has happened uh, to their protocol in the last few months. So check them out at Ave.com. All right, David, we've got some exciting things happening just in the Bankless Nation that we should maybe start with before I ask you the question. We had Joey, uh, Joey Krug podcast that we released yesterday. That was absolutely fire. Um, I know I say that this all the time, but it's one of my favorite podcasts <laughs> that we've done. Uh, we've got Eric Voorhees coming mm-hmm. tomorrow. So that's going to be um, exceptionally interesting. Eric, of course, is, um, you know, he's came from Bitcoin, but he's non-tribal and um, he's very interested in things that, that are getting built in this bankless uh, landscape. It's also mint week for the bankless badge. Uh, so bankless badge, if, if you've been keeping track, is something that we issue to bankless members, uh, give some unique privileges and rights within the bankless ecosystem. We'll include a note there. Um, and then, David, we've got something something coming next Monday, right? I, you know, I don't want to talk about this too much. Maybe you should take over from here. What, yeah. what, what's happening next Monday? Yeah. So, you know, the, the crypto land is has fertile grounds, right? The, the bankless nation is fertile. Lots of green pastures. That's why we're so excited about this. There's lots of things that are potentially awesome things to do. And so we found one, we think. And so uh, that's coming. Uh, a brand new wing of the bankless revolution is coming to, uh, to the bankless door. Dude, I'm super excited. Next Monday is going to be awesome. Yeah. And uh, you find out about it first because you are tuned in here Mm-hmm. on Tuesday, next Tuesday. Make sure you catch that episode. We will um, show the big reveal mm-hmm. uh, then. Um, David, let me ask you the question. Mm-hmm. What is the state of the nation right now, sir? The state of the nation is explosive. Okay. <laughs> which is, which is uh, you know, it's kind of a dangerous word to say in, in the world of cryptography and smart contracts. But yeah. right now, it's a controlled explosion. Uh, okay. So hopefully we can continue to uh, control it. I, I kind of uh, see it as like a slow motion explosion. Is and it so- controlled explosion? Is that a demolition? <laughs> is that <Yes>. it? <laughs> hopefully not a demolition. Um, we're, okay. we're, pa- we're paving the roads with explosives. Uh, okay. And so that, that's what we're doing. Hopefully everything goes right. But, you know, Ether has been in this long, drawn out bear market. It's been hitting this descending line over and over and over again. And it finally broke through it uh, just on the 22nd of July. Uh, and there seems to have been just this massive pent up energy in the ETH price. And it seemed to have been kicked off, like, like some people have been saying, by like the, the DeFi mania, which got kicked off by comp. So, so people have been saying this for a while. The, the comp token, new paradigm of tokens, that all of a sudden there's more of them. All of a sudden there's liquidity mining. All of a sudden there's the yield farming. All of a sudden people get it. DeFi tokens go wild. Uh, our previous state of the nations were bullish and then, and then exponential, and now it's explosive. Uh, I think that these state of the nations have been pretty damn accurate with describing what is coming. Uh, dude, dude, we'll get to that. Cause last, yeah. last Tuesday, I feel like you called it, man. I yeah. feel like you called it, but we'll, we'll get to that. All right. Yeah. So explosive, that's mm-hmm. what's happening, but not explosive in a bad way. Well, explosive I, I'm leaving in a good that way. on the table for, for <laughs> what is, what is potentially explosive. But right now, like values of things are going up like really fast and it's so far, it's a good thing. We're, we're successfully controlling the explosion, but you know, there's always risk. There's always risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll get to the risk too, but let's talk about um, some of that explosive behavior. Again, explosive, we think in a good way, but we brought on a special guest to tell us a little bit more about a DeFi asset that I think is um, super unique, something we haven't seen before 
and it's called YFI. If you've been tuned into Bankless Newsletter, even our podcast earlier this week, we talked about it. Um, and we brought on uh, Daryl Lau, who is a writer in the space. He's a researcher. And he wrote, um, I think the best article that I read this week on uh, YFI, he's also a, I don't know if you'd call this like a core governor of the protocol. Uh, Daryl, how's it going? There, there he is. Great to, great to see you. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for all your work in YFI. You know what my first question is, is um, what is this thing called? Is it, is it okay. Yiffy? Is it Giffy? Is it, is it YFI? Is it Wifey? Like Wi-Fi? Okay. What, are we, what are we calling this thing? So I personally been calling it Wifey. Like, I've okay. called, it, like, called it Wifey to like three or four people right now on, on calls. <laughs> okay. It's Wifey then. For the rest of the Actually, episode, David, we're going with Wifey. All right. I'm going to have to relearn that. <laughs> where, where should we start with this, you know, David? So, so like, um, should we just talk about like what it actually is, how it came about, like what the products are? Yeah, that, that's kind of what I struggle and why I want to bring Daryl on to, to help us describe it. So where is the beginning of this whole project? Like where does it start at? Yeah, so I guess it started in early this year where they, they launched, uh, Andre Condre, the developer, he launched this protocol where it's a yield aggregating aggregator protocol. So basically what it does is that it chases the best yields across BYDX, Compound, and Aave. So let's say let's say Compound is giving like about 10% APR and Aave is doing like about 15% APR. Obviously, you want to move your funds over to Aave for that. So what I what the Iron did was that it automated the whole process. I made it uh, a lot easier. So you just have to put your money inside and then you get you'll know that you get the best yield possible at that time. So that that was the whole start of the whole project I would say then it worked it worked quite well I was it worked quite well got about 8 million AUM and then in I think March in March there was this whole drama about Andre having holding the entire admin keys for everything so like quite a few people on Twitter were attacking him saying that he shouldn't have all this stuff and then he decided and at that time he didn't he couldn't even afford the audits because they were quite pricey. I think it was like 50k to 100k at least. So he decided to like decentralize the whole thing, give burn the admin keys away, and then from there he stopped. He stopped working on it because it was at the time the project, the whole product was complete. Like it had all the features you could have asked for. It automated rebalancing. It had the best yields and it had the most AUM across all the other projects that are doing the same thing. So yeah, then. In more recently, in about the last month, he came back from stealth. Like he decided to launch new products like uh, Y Swap, I Leverage, I Trade, on all, all kinds of new DeFi products, all leveraging on top of existing building, existing money that goes on that exists today. Yeah. So Daryl, um, Andre, some people are calling him the <laughs> Satoshi of DeFi. Who yep. who is this guy? What do we know about him? Why are they calling so, him that? <laughs> so I guess the the comparisons with Satoshi of Satoshi and Andre right now is because that Andre decided to do a completely fair launch. Like he didn't he didn't mine any tokens for himself. He didn't have any tokens allocated for a team for a team or any pre-sale or what whatsoever. He just decided like I'm gonna launch this protocol. Everyone has the same rules, and that's stuck basically. 
that's the start. Like anyone could, add, if you had read the posts at the announcement, you would have been able to start mining immediately with by providing tokens, and there was nobody else that had a head start, a hit from you, except if they read it earlier. So yeah, it, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so this is one one thing that we talk a lot about on on Bankless, where like the the compound token like went public in a way faster rate than what like a traditional company would have gone public on a public stock market, right? So there's one or two rounds of funding, and then there's liquidity mining, and that liquidity mining is the way that in, instead of going public on the public stock market, it goes public on Ethereum via liquidity mining. But what what Andre did with with the uh, Wi-Fi token is he just went straight public because he didn't have to worry about minting anything. He didn't have to worry about securities issues. He didn't have to worry about anything because he went straight to the liquidity mining first. And so that's why this is so incredibly elegant. He didn't mint any himself. He just went straight for liquidity mining for instant. There was no instance of this token not ever being public. It was public first, which is absolutely yep. insane. And he also didn't take any for himself. So how can they blame him? And he said it was valueless, if I'm recalling correctly. Yep. So in his blog post, he put that the fair value for the token was zero because there was no sales <laughs> whatsoever. Just don't, don't buy it, earn it. That's what he said in his blog post. All right. So you know what I think is a, an interesting thing for our audience to see is um, the thing that Andre called valueless. Let's take a look at the uh, value of it. So <laughs> Daryl, so first of all, let me just say, um, in all the time I've been in crypto, I've never seen a chart that looks like this. You know, we've seen some pretty crazy charts, right? Um, yeah. So when you were talking about the, the announcement was made, was that on a Saturday? Saturday the yeah, 18th? It's on Saturday, yeah. Okay, so this valueless That's when token, I was camping. That's when David was camping in the mountains. He missed <laughs> all of it. Yeah, never take vacation in uh, in DeFi. That's is that what we're learning from? This? Yeah, I would have been a richer man, but it turns out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, uh, valueless token. He said you've got to earn it. So people started earning it. But what they did, of course, some of them, a subset of them, um, created a market for this. And because Ethereum is a global permissionless system, they listed on exchanges like Uniswap and Balancer and that sort of thing. Right. So yep. we start at a price of thirty four dollars. Okay. And then, wow! Well, look it actually at this. started at three dollars. Three dollars, okay. It actually started at three dollars. Yeah. Okay, all right. So this is like the earliest Coin Gecko reports yeah. is uh, thirty-four dollars, but this started at three dollars. All right. So, uh, and then and then we're traveling up here, and then look at this. Like this is just crazy, crazy, right? So we top out at least locally. One week later, at forty-five hundred dollars. So. If you're saying $3, right, we're talking over an 1,000% gain in seven days? Yep. Okay. Like, if you showed this chart to anyone outside of, like, crypto, they'd be like, okay, that's, an, that's a scam. What's the scam? So let me ask you, Daryl, what is the scam here? Is there a scam? Uh, I guess basically, like, a lot of people are talking about how the token was, complete, was considered cheap comparative to the total value locked. So the whole point, the whole theory is that the any token, any governance token should be able to command a valuation such that it's higher than the total value locked of the protocol. Otherwise okay. it could be it otherwise it could be easily manipulated and everything like that. But at the same time, like everybody wanted to get more Wi-Fi. So they kept depositing into the protocol. 
the prices kept going up higher and higher. But yeah, it reached about a 400 million total value locked. At okay. the peak, around 450, 400 million. So this is the hey, total on, value before locked. Before you talk about the total value locked, if you couldn't yeah. go back to the price chart, you said that you've never seen a crypto chart like this. And I actually uh, no. think that you're wrong. I think you have seen really? one crypto chart like this before, and that's Bitcoin. That's what exactly, this is, this so, it's not so. Not in a week though. <laughs> not, no, not, not in a week, that's totally true. In different yeah, time but, frames. Because like what we're talking about is like the token value started at zero because they didn't have a market for it. And then yeah. over, and so that's why this thing is so incredibly exceptional. Like Bitcoin true. also started at zero because, and that's why we're calling uh, Andre like the Satoshi of Ethereum because it started in the same way where you can only earn it. There was no pre-mine. And that's why this token value started at zero. Because, and so like the pricing of, of Wi-Fi has only come from people buying it on the secondary market and not yeah. from any sort of like perceived valuation. It's a great point. Like I do think obviously the time horizon, this is super compressed. This is seven days. Bitcoin did not do that. But at yes. the same time, <laughs> Bitcoin did not have permissionless markets to list on, right? Like it didn't, it, what, how could it list? It couldn't list it couldn't list anywhere. There were yeah, no it first fiat. got evaluated by like two pizzas. Exactly. But now we're in DeFi world and you list something like this without any founders and immediately there's an exchange permissionless. Don't have to ask anybody. Don't have to pay an exchange fee. It's there. That's probably why price discovery happens a lot quicker. What do you think about that, Daryl? Is that, is that sort of a, the right analogy here? Yeah, I think it's perfectly fair. Like we started off with, we started off with near zero valuation and then you just pop up from there from free market valuing it at so much higher than it should be. So and, started buying up, yeah. and you were saying it sort of traveled the, um, the, the total value locked, right? Which has become yeah. kind of a metric for uh, relative pricing between various DeFi tokens. So explain yeah. this chart, okay? Um, we've got that Saturday. Uh, let's see, the Saturday was the 20 what? Let's see. 21st saturday was the 18th right 18, so yeah. uh on friday there was nine million locked yeah and then so that, was, that was prior to the launch like right before the launch okay and then by saturday we've got 62 million locked and then a week later we've got 330 million locked you said this topped out near 400 million locked what what's going on here? Why all this, the, this fun, all of these funds is, you know, starting to pour into the, the Wi-Fi protocol. So I guess at the start, very start of the Wi-Fi mining, like when it was trading at around 20 to $50, the APR you would get for it was about 500% at least. So areas of the areas of the piling in and started buying up wife, buying up Wi-Fi to get the, in order to get some of the returns, which made the price go up even higher. And the returns are going up even higher. So at one point it was about two thousand percent APR at the very like first or second day. So like when you saw the large price, the large price increase from fifty to one thousand something, it was about one thousand two hundred two thousand percent APRs. So that I think if you you break that down, break that number down, it's about five percent a day. If I if I'm not mistaken, yeah, five percent interest per, per day on your stable coins. And so this, so, this is just to distribute the YFI token, right? And this is how people yeah. got their hands on it. 
Uh, and so we, we see that, that massive explosive rise in, uh, in assets locked in, in the urine finance protocol. But then, it, then it's also fell off. It fell off a cliff. So it hit almost 400 million and now it's back down to 100 million. Uh, yeah. So wh where did all that go? Look, basically the whole distribution was based off 10K tokens, 10K tokens distributed in each pool for one whole week. So there were about, there's three pools, there's three pools. And basically the last, the last of the three pools ended their distributions, distribution yesterday. So that's why the whole total value lock dropped, so dropped quite a bit. Okay, so let's no go. More, yeah, Let's go into that a, a little bit more. So there were 10,000 uh, YFE tokens in three different pools, yeah. three, 30,000 YFE tokens total. 30,000 total, yeah. 30,000 total. And so, yeah. uh, and these pools, you could liquidity mine these pools at different times, right? So the first pool would run out and I would start the second pool and then the third pool. Can you explain what these three pools are and why yeah. they came in the order that they came in? Yeah, so the first, very first pool is basically that using the YN protocol where basically you, when you provide liquidity to the tokens, you, you get a share token in return. So this share token is about somewhere around a dollar stable because it's based on a stable coin. So then all you have to do is just stake that token into the, stake that token into the government's contract. And that was it. So you get, you mine some YFE tokens based on the time that you were staked inside the protocol relative to the share of your tokens. So let's say if you had 100K, for example, and the pool only had 1 million, you get 10% of all the YFE tokens at that time. So that was, the first, that, was the, that was the very first pool. Then I think the second pool launched like a few hours after that, where it was basically like a balancer pool incentive program. So you, if you provided 98% DAI and 2% YFE tokens as a liquidity provider on balancer, you would get the balancer pool token, correct? So that, as, then you just take the balancer pool token to get a share of the YFE tokens. So that, that was pool one and that's pool two. Then again, about two or three days, two days after that, those two pools launched, they launched the governance staking contract. So what, they, what it does is that basically they wanted to incentivize voting for voting for, on the platform for governance decisions like the inflation schedule as well as the burning or staking, which I can get into later. But essentially, they just wanted to incentivize voting. So what they did was that you have to, you have to supply liquidity to a balancer pool of 98% of the YCRV token and 2% of YFE token. So then you get a balance token again and you stick it there. Yeah. So that, that was also the three pools that were launched. And that, those are the three initial distributions of YFE tokens for, yeah, for the whole 30K. So the way, the way I've been, I describe this in my mind is like, this is like the tutorial of like some video game right? Where like your user is like going through these steps to learn how to use the system. And then they're also, and as they progress through the tutorial, they're getting like the equipment that they need in order to play the game, right? And so the first step is to provide a stable coin liquidity to the, the urine protocol, which gets you the Yiffy token. And so that's like, you got your shield, right? Like first step, you got your shield. And then you go into the next pool and then you supply uh, the, the uh, Yiffy token to the balancer pool. And then that's yeah. the second uh, pool of wifey tokens that are distributed out of the 30,000. Now there's 20,000. So now you've got like your sword 
and then you're yeah. ready to move on to the next product the, the final step in the tutorial which is uh, learning how to govern the pr uh, protocol which is staking your wifey tokens to the urine governance portal so that then now you have your armor so you have your three things now you're ready to play the game and then that's also how the wifey token was distributed and so it's yeah. like it's both like fostering a community by showing them what they need to do in order to earn because these three things also come about as to why this thing is valuable at all later after all these tokens are distributed and it's also showing like the community how to do the thing and it's yeah. also distributing the wifey token all at once i thought it was genius it's like the scavenger hunt on ethereum where you have to go do all the things so you can get the wifey tokens yeah, it was perfect when it started incentivizing users first and then started incentivizing holders and the third pool is just genius that incentivizes everyone to actually actively participate and actively participate and as well as reward them with all kinds of incentives like Wi-Fi, CRV and balancer tokens. So Daryl, uh, we were talking about the, the the market cap and the market cap right now is um, of of wifey is based on a set supply of 30,000. Yeah. Um, can you, that sounds like a fixed cap, right? So I guess maybe another Bitcoin analogy, but the difference is this can be changed via governance. Can you talk, yeah. I know you've been involved from the very beginnings in wifey governance. Can you talk about why the 30,000 cap and some debate around that and how that sort of thing is decided? So right now, the 30k cap is just basically from the distribution that's already happened. So 30k, 30k was the max limit, and then it stopped there. So the discussion after that was, how do you want to incentivize future pools? Right now, if you, if you were to maintain, maintain the same schedule as before, they'll be giving out like more than $50 million in tokens in a week. So that's, not, that's obviously not sustainable. So, the, so basically, the community decided to vote, vote for it. Like, what kind of inflation schedule makes sense. So yeah, I, I wrote the first, I would say the first proper inflation schedule where I, I decided to use the synthetics model. So about a 150% inflation rate and over a period of a few years with a trailing inflation. So the problem there was that synthetics started off their inflation schedule because very high because they wanted to attract users. And the difference between Wi-Fi is that Wi-Fi has already attracted all the users. Like, <laughs> We've attracted 400 million in AUM without, without much marketing, just the hype of the returns. So it really wasn't about the attracting the users, but it was really about incentivizing users to stay on. So the, the community like Substrate and Delta Tiger, for example, who designed the original synthetics inflation monetary policy, they decided to take a spin at it themselves. So they decided to work out around a 22% APR, 22% inflation rate, which should cap the supply at 50k instead. So that's still being discussed on with the community, but I think we're going to launch the on-chain protocol, on-chain vote for that soon. Okay, so yeah. we've been talking a lot about the Wi-Fi token and how it's gotten distributed and the different mechanisms uh, as to how that came about. But we, I, I think we kind of, we haven't yet talked about like what the urine protocol actually is, like what does it do? Uh, and so why is everyone so incredibly excited about this protocol? Like what is unique about the actual system that has been developed, which of course then finds itself in the valuation of the token. But what is the urine protocol? What does it do for its token holders? So there's basically two parts to this. Like for example, if you're a wifey holder, you would get complete you would get the value and governance of the protocol. And then there's also the fact that you can get 
a claim to the reward to the fees distributed to the protocol. So Wire has a bunch of different products launching. The first product was the Iron Yield Aggregator. Then there's a few other products launching like the Leverage Stablecoin Swap and Leverage Stablecoin Yield Farming Protocol and and a couple more up, upcoming. But yeah, so these are all different products, all based off of existing DeFi protocols. But Andre just made his own spin on things like a single a single asset asset AM, for example, like you can see in balance, you can see in Bancor and a few other projects that are launched. So Andre took his own spin at it and decided and launched it instead. I need to launch it instead. So, so one yeah. so go ahead. No, keep keep going. And then I want to ask you a question about Andre. Yeah, so why, why fee holders would if you voted in protocol, for example, you would get a claim to the fees. And that's about, I think it was about 60K in fees alone for the first week. Wow. So that was about, yeah, so that was about 10% return on the token, which was like 1,000 at a time. Okay, so there's this yield farming mania that's going on. And what the urine protocol does is that it uh, pre creates this products to make it easier to yield farm, right? It makes it uh, more formulaic, more algorithmic, so that you don't have to like pull out your calculator and find out what is the best returns. You can just deposit your assets into the urine product, and it will do that for you. And yeah. then, then, and then the Yiffy token uh, is this uh, governance token slash cash flow ownership token because just like Compound, just like Balancer, it's a governance token that governs over the cash flows, and so. What Yiffy is, is this token that is farming the farmers, right? And so it earns the fees that some of the farmers are, are earning the fees as well. So like people like me, I didn't really participate in the yield farming thing, like, you know, oh, kind of over my head, I'm kind of way too busy, but now I can just buy the, the Wifey token and I can farm the farmers, right? And so like there's this three tiers of things where people are submitting, they're, they're, people are leveraging long ether by depositing ether into compound, they're borrowing die and then they're buying more ether, and then maybe they're also sticking that to compound, and then they're earning the, earning the comp token. And yeah. then th those are just, that's like tier one, right? That's just normal, uh, normal people, like my, my friends doing this, like it's, this is just the, the basic activities on Ethereum. And then there's people who are doing this with the intent to actually farm comp, right? Or the intent to actually farm balancer. And so they're going recursive, trying to find the best rates. They're borrowing bat, even though they don't care about bat. They're borrowing like tether, even though they don't care about tether because they want to farm comp, right? And these people are using their calculators to try and find out what the best yield is. And so that's like tier two, right? And now tier three is you just submit your assets into the Yiffy protocol, the Wifey protocol, and it does it for you. Right, and you don't have to do your calculations, which is also fantastic, by the way, because then you don't have to pay for gas because the the Wi-Fi protocol just pays for the gas for you, so you're already making more money that way as well. And then, like tier four is just the the Wi-Fi token itself, where you can just like buy the Wi-Fi token. You don't have to worry about all these things. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's perfectly right. Like Andre, when he first developed all the protocols, he decided that I'm making all this so to make my life easier. Like. Before this, everyone was manually doing, manually checking the calculators and stuff like that, changing changing product products depending on rates. So Andre just made this protocols to make his life easier. And if you want to use it, you can use it. Feel free to use it. That's basically his entire logic at the start. Can I kind of make a, uh, I guess, a comment here, or a couple couple things that kind of pop into my mind as you guys are describing this? And David, I think that was a great explanation. Um, that was like a deeper level than I think I understood it going into this. Um, 
Well done, sir. <laughs> right, that so, would be okay. Kind of my abilities. <laughs> yeah. So two things. So two things here. Um, first, I am like in awe, amazed that one developer from his garage, to use the analogy, was able to come up with a DeFi protocol incentive mechanism like this that works and grow it to 80 million in value in seven days. Like that is the power of open finance DeFi. It blows my mind. Uh, and I think that's incredible. I think this is a, it's a real capital asset, right? At the same time, I'm somewhat uh, terrified in a way, okay? And, and here's why. Uh, so Andre is a fantastic developer, um, but he also makes no secret of, he tests in prod. I'm looking at his, his, his Twitter uh, handle right now. Yeah. He's like, I test in prod. That's the one thing you shouldn't do with smart contracts, <laughs> right? That's the one thing, like test in prod, no. Make or doubt, you formally verify that shit. You know, like, what are we doing? Okay, so he tests in prod. Okay, so that's the one thing. The other thing is what David just described, while genius, does something that um, I don't necessarily love, which is it chases yields, right? So yield chasing is okay. That's an efficient market. However, to, to look at the real yield, what you have to do is look at risk-adjusted yield. So it's very easy to see which of these various protocols are throwing off returns and to formulate a calculation, say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in that one because it's the highest return. However, it's hard to assess risk on that side of things. So one thing I worry about um, a little bit on the like more macro side of DeFi with all of these kind of lending protocols, which I love, by the way, um, is that we get into a habit of chasing yield and then like we we're, we're not looking at the risk of these uh, some protocols have more risk than others and we get trapped right something catastrophic happens and it's a great unwinding and a lot of people who weren't aware of the risks are now pissed off and, and you know kind of tainted by it um you know i'm not saying andre's responsible for any of that i think this experiment is fantastic i think the way he approached it is absolutely fantastic and i think it's net super positive but what are your thoughts on that, Daryl? So I guess the first, the first thought about testing and prod, yeah, that's what Andre's been doing the past, since the whole time he's been building the whole protocol. Like, even before in January, when he was first testing out Iron Protocol, he decided to launch it entirely on mainnet instead. So he burned about thirty dollars to $50,000 in development costs alone, because he wasn't familiar with how you could fork mainnet and launch your own instance of it. So he burned quite a bit there. But just testing out everything in mainnet. And yeah, it it does it does he always does put the disclaimer on the risk saying that there might be risks involved, don't deposit all your money inside, you might lose it all. Which is which is still I'll say good to see. Like some people will just say, Trust me, trust me with all your money, I I'll, I'll, I am hundred percent believable, but that's not true at all. Like I don't trust everyone hundred percent with my money. Then, for example, I would say I just bring up an example from two days ago. I think two days ago he launched this he launched this pool where you can deposit your USDC, and it will supposedly get the best rates. Across, it supposedly yield farm for you across all the other protocols, and he didn't even say anything about the APR because he didn't want people to just roof, just randomly deposit money inside. But in less than an hour after he launched the protocol, 
that's about a million dollars inside already. Yeah. So that's that's the amount of crazy I would say that people are doing now to yield chase. Like they're just depositing a million dollars to something that doesn't even have the documentation really written up properly yet. And if I'm if I'm correct, I I seem to recall recall that that uh, thing that he launched, the new thing, actually had a fatal flaw in it that was discovered yeah. by a talented smart contract research analyst. Yeah. Which, on the one hand, it's awesome that the community is like self funding and self um, like doing these sorts of audits. But on the other hand, oh my god, right? People putting a million dollars in this thing, and it's yeah. not even audited, and it's just he pushed it into into prod without testing. Wow, <laughs> you know. Yeah, this like we spotted, we spotted the vulnerability pretty early on, like when he first launched it. But at that time, there was already about three hundred k, three hundred to five hundred k inside the inside it already. So we started warning everyone on Twitter and everything, telling them that there's a vulnerability that might. But at the same time, like when we found the vulnerability, we already told Andre about it, so we just fixed it Im- almost immediately. Like by the time the tweets were out. He already fixed it. He just hadn't mm-hmm. updated the UI yet. But so, the unlike smart cards already fixed. So there's a, there's a conversation here that I want to get into where one of the beauty one of the beautiful things about the Wi-Fi token and the urine uh, system is that um, it doesn't depend on it, it needs DeFi it needs yield farming DeFi protocols in order to work right. But it doesn't need any one particular DeFi protocol in order to work. Like Compound could blow up, and uh, you know, uh, Metastable could blow up and Balancer could blow up, but there could just be the new yield farming DeFi protocols that come and replace them that uh, the urine system could leverage, right? And so uh, urine isn't dependent on compound. Compound can die and, yif- and urine can stay. Like Balancer can die and, and urine can stay. And so one of the beautiful things about it is like DeFi itself can come and go, right? Like we've seen different components of Ethereum like die off and be replaced. Like Ether Delta died and got replaced by Uniswap, right? And like I think there's always going to be this replacement of protocols and churn over time as new innovations come. And the fantastic thing about Yearn and, and the Wi-Fi token is that it will just be there for these new protocols and it can freely plug in or plug out of these protocols as they come and go. So to some degree, you know, co- the, the contract risk of compound doesn't actually impact the contract risk of, of uh, urine. However, there are parts of the urine system that are completely dependent uh, uh, and c- can have to work and have to not blow up. Can you talk about which components of the urine system? Uh, first off, obviously, it's urine itself. But like, uh, I, I think also curve needs to work uh, and can't, can't go away for for the Wi-Fi tokens to work, is that right? And can you kind of just go into what are the what are the core dependencies of the urine system? So I guess for smart contract risk side, for example, if I don't remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but way back in I think February or March, when De- there was this protocol called DeFos, so they yes. basically they basically fought compound, and there was this large vulnerability where they lost about 30, 40 million dollars, I think. So at that time, it was, at that time when it happened, the IAM protocol automatically stopped deposits into the system. Like it didn't even allow for any deposits into the system because it, it, it detected like a large, large amount of withdrawals and Andre was on top of things to check it out. But if you talk about like risk adjusted returns, you will always be using the main protocols like PYDX, PYDX compound and Aave. So those have, those are quite, I'll say quite good 
quite good risk, risk profile because they've been audited multiple times already. And I guess in core dependencies, IAM doesn't really have much core dependencies. Like curve is just one interface to interact with the protocol. Like you could all, you could use the IAM's main website itself to deposit and withdraw rather than using curve. Curve is just a popular interface to use. Fantastic. This is, this is so incredibly cool. One thing that this reminds me of is it, it feels like the DAO 2.0, right? Where like the DAO 1.0 was this system that could pool capital together and like as a distributed set of governors could elect which uh, protocols or which things to invest in. But like yeah. at, at the time, it was way too early, right? There was like it, people, I think people at the time of the DAO, I wasn't in Ethereum at the time of the DAO, but people were like, okay, we're going to invest in like equity in companies and that's going to be part of the DAO, right? And like that doesn't work, right? And they didn't even have a chance to try it. But like it was very, it was very much skeuomorphic, right? It was the wrong uh, kind of system because it was just too early on Ethereum. But it, was, it does resemble some of this early yearn components where like there's this pool of funds and it's investing it into the greater ecosystem in order to get a return. And it's, the great thing is that it's got this formula to always make the same return. And yep. it's, it's, it's a little bit like central in the sense that like it's, not a, it's, it's a product of products rather than just being one product, right? It's, it's like, it, it's, it feels like a very central token on Ethereum because the rest of Ethereum can come and go, like the edges of Ethereum can come and go while the Yearn DAO can stay in the same place. And the reason why the Yearn DAO works yeah. is because there's actually things on Ethereum to do now. Like in, in the 2016 DAO, there was nothing to invest in on Ethereum. Now the DAO <laughs> model actually works because there's on-chain you know, governance tokens, there's on-chain equity. Capital so assets. Feels this, yeah, on-chain capital assets, that's the right word. I know, I know I always use the word equity. I know that's not right, but it's a good metaphor. Um, but, and so like, this does feel like the DAO 2.0, like a, re, a revamp of the DAO in a way that works. Uh, is that a fair comparison, Daryl? Yeah, I would say that a wife wired protocol is basically like proving how composable the entire DeFi ecosystem is. Because it leverages off of everything you can see online right now. Like it leverages off of Compound, DYDX, Aave, and builds up so much more things that you didn't know could exist prior to. Andre, Andre just writing up something and deving it and just proving that it could work. So yeah, things can go come and go. Things can just die off. But why? I'm pretty sure that YN would stay just because of how composable it is and how central it is to the whole ecosystem. So I want to, yeah, Daryl. This has been fantastic. I want to maybe end with um with this. Uh, I'm going to share my screen one more time and um, let's take a look at the organic community here. Um, these are, can you, can you, you guys can see my screen. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. Um, these are, this is the governance board for, uh, wifey and the activity on here has absolutely blown my mind. Look at this one, uh, you know, 4.4, almost 5,000 views here on the issuance policy. Um, That's about a K page views. It's crazy. So that's crazy uh, because there's only four and a half thousand people that own the wifey token. Yeah. Right now. That's crazy. All of the, 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 the uh, tokens and projects that are doing kind of VC launches, um, they can't get a community like this. Like they would, they, they spend millions on, on sort of marketing and, 
um, like B2B conversations and salespeople and slick stuff. And this is really what you need to pull a product off the ground. You need a grassroots organic community. And to get that community, you have to reward them early and have a, have a founder story and give them a reason to participate. And that's what I think is the magic uh, behind, behind the wife token, the, with, <laughs> the wifey token. Okay. Um, Daryl, okay. So we actually put a governance proposal in here, didn't we, David? Somewhere? Absolutely. Yeah, this is, this is yeah. absolutely fantastic. How's it going? fantastic. It's going really well. So the governance proposal came as a result of like, we, we wanted to get Andre on the Bankless podcast. And so I tweeted at him, Andre, come on the Bankless podcast. And he didn't respond. And then 12 <laughs> hours later, he sent out a text message saying, I've gotten a lot of requests for interviews. Uh, it's up to the token holders to determine if, uh, if I go on an interview or not. Like I live and live and die by the protocol. Like the protocol determines what I do, which I think is a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. And so I immediately rushed to the governance portal and be like, should Andre come on the Bankless podcast? Yes or no. We got 114 votes. I don't really know if he's going to uh, force or request a actual on-chain vote with actual wifey tokens. Uh, the the yes to no ratio is like ninety five percent yes, five percent no. How can I tell? Can I see it here? Uh, you would you would have to vote. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have to log in. I did. I voted yes. By the way, I logged in and voted yes because this was important to me. I didn't vote no. Yeah. So I, do, why, why do you, I, if you can speak for Andre, if he does end up coming on the Bankless podcast, which according to community sentiment, sounds like he will be, if that's how, if that's how he listens to, to the token. Uh, but uh, can you comment as to why you think Andre uh, wants to live and die by the token? I mean, essentially the, the token is like his baby, I would say. Like he built the entire thing from scratch without much external help. Yeah, so it really is just like his baby. Like he wants, he wants it to, he wants it to fully control his life, and then it's up to him. Well, yeah. well, I I hope he comes on. I I think it sounds like he is because ninety five percent people said yes. If he, uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, uh, I hope that we as a community, I'm I'm a, a wifey token holder. Uh, I hope we find a way to uh, reward this this man. Um. Because he yeah, took, we, he took none no reward and he definitely deserves something. So that's a I think that's a, a something that I'm going to propose to the community. Uh, do we know that though? Let me ask you. Do we know that? So so uh, Satoshi yeah. definitely mined. Yeah. Right. So Andre did not take. But if I'm Andre, just being a rational actor, and I'm not saying like Andre is a different person than I am. I would mm-hmm. not do things the way he did because he's like clearly um, doing this for altruistic reasons. But right. You don't think he liquidity mined? He totally. Maybe that's he, a question I mean, for the podcast. Probably liquidity mined. Uh, he only mined. He only mined about two hundred. I think he only mined two two wifey tokens. Like he tweeted that out. Really? He that out yeah. Like I, I only mined two tokens. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my god! Two. Yeah, Daryl, yeah, you, you said at the beginning that like he, he's not like this wealthy crypto investor. He's not somebody that got rich off Bitcoin or, or yeah. Ether. So he didn't have like that much capital to deploy into his own system. Yeah, at the time, like when. YN first launched, he was, he broke, he still spent quite a lot of his savings just testing out Ethereum, just testing out the entire protocol I made that, like I said, like, and he couldn't even afford the audits because it was so expensive. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, I take it back. I, I need to learn more about this Andre uh, individual. It sounds incredibly interesting. I yeah. do hope he comes on the podcast and um, yeah, I would, I would log in and vote for a, uh, for a reward for Andre. Certainly. I'm sure that he has tremendous community goodwill at this point so that would have probably have no problem passing yeah yeah so we're actually planning we're actually planning for that so like uh 
one of the inflation schedules that we are passing through, about 75% tokens will go to liquidity providers, but 25% of the tokens will go to like a multi-sigal or DAO. And then from there, we're going to decide how much percentage we're going to stream back to Andre because he definitely deserves it. He definitely deserves some kind of developer funding or anything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what, we're, that's what we're planning out in governance. And I just think that's great because like, obviously I think that's great because that's fair, but also at the same time, like it shows you that you can take zero, you can be like the Satoshi and you can take zero tax at the system. You can take zero founders reward and you can still get wealthy. Like if this does end up playing out, like I hope Andre makes like a million dollars and a million dollars is half a million dollars, $2 million. I don't know. But like he can, he's still hopefully going to make a lot of money from generating this protocol and the value that he returned to the community because he didn't take a founder's reward will be so much more. The, the yep. total value created because of his actions is like a hundred X more than if there was like a VC backing this thing. Totally. Yep. Totally agree. Cool. Daryl, thank you so much for coming on the Bankless State of the Nation. We really needed the help and hand-holding, learning about the, the urine protocol. So thank you for, for walking us through it. And, and you have been a great guest. So I appreciate it. No worries. Happy to help. Just reach sure. me out on Twitter anytime. <laughs> yeah. So if, if people want to find out more about you, like, uh, you, do you want to share your Twitter handle? Uh, how can people reach out if they have questions? Yeah, just reach out to me on Twitter, um, Daryl LTK. Uh, Daryl LTK on Twitter. Then... I hang out a lot on the YN unofficial Discord and unofficial Telegrams. So yeah, just tag me there any time. Fantastic. We will have your Twitter handle, Twitter handle in the show notes, sir. So thank All you right. for your thank you for your contributions. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. Right. That was guys. All right. Wow. That was uh, that, that was, was insightful. That, that was, was a lot. lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Dave, we should talk about our sponsors okay, again. Let's do it. Our second set of sponsors. Mm -hmm. So why don't you start? Yeah, so uh, Ampleforth, Ampleforth. Is, is one of our fantastic bankless sponsors. Speaking of things that have been explosive lately, uh, Ampleforth is a new monetary experiment, which I just think is totally fascinating. It's one, uh, I can't really think of any other M0 on Ethereum that's not Ether uh, other than Ampleforth. And that's what Ampleforth is trying to be. It's an experimental money M0 on Ethereum. The way that it works is that as price changes every 24 hours, the token quote unquote rebases back to closer to uh, the value of 2019 US dollars. But in the same sense that uh, kind of in the same era as Bitcoin, it's non-dilutive, right? And so it will mint more or less, but into your wallets if you own them. And so there's no, there's no dilution events. So you will always own the same share of the ample currency, which is what makes it an M0 as it rebases up and down. So the thing slowly tracks a dollar over time. It never completely tracks its dollar over time. It's not a stable coin. Uh, but it's an, it, if I'm interested in how it becomes a, a DeFi denominated debt, right? You will always be Co uh, comfortable denominating debts in Ampleforth, unlike denominating debts in Bitcoin, because you don't know what Bitcoin's price is going to be in, in five, 10 years, but you know the Ampleforth price is going to be about a dollar in five to 10 years. So that's why it's an interesting monetary experiment. So you can check them out at ampleforth.com. Very cool. We are in a 100 Gwei plus world and um, gas prices show no signs of going down. That's good from one perspective. It means Ethereum's being used a lot. But it's bad if you're trying to get a trade done. Diversify solves this. Diversify is a new class of next generation layer two exchanges. It's non-custodial. So it's DeFi. It's secured by the Ethereum 
blockchain. They do some really cool things with rollups to do that. It's for serious traders. This, the experience with Diversify is similar to using something like Coinbase. So they can uh, support 9,000 transactions per second. Um, they also have a governance token that's very interesting. It's called NEC. Um, it gives membership voting rights and it also gives discounts to Diversify traders. So take a look at that as well. Um, Neck and Diversify started the original liquidity mining back in 2018. They've kind of perfected their exchange and their product and really excited to see you use them and for, for their success and to see layer two DeFi exchanges thrive. Check them out at diversify.com. We will include a link in the show notes. I've actually used the Diversify Exchange and it is as lightning fast as advertised, right? It and is. like the cool thing is, is like every time I make a trade, like I have to press a button on my ledger, which makes me feel good because that's non-custodial, right? Like I'm not just trusting somebody to, to do my order. I have to verify it first. So that, that just is fantastic. And like you said, it's like a centralized exchange experience. But it's also bankless, right? Because they will never, they can never do anything without your pressing of your ledger or your MetaMask or whatever. So it, it returns sovereignty to the user. So big fan. it is slick, guys. Absolutely, uh, David. Speaking of sovereignty to the users, can we can we talk about topic two? Um, price. Let's talk about price. Mm -hmm. So what happened with price? What and what price are we talking about? <laughs> Our show notes just say. Talk about Pro price. Talk about price. Yeah. So uh, how can we not, right? So Ether is at $320 right now when the last state of the nation, it was at, uh, what was it at? 235, 245, right? And, uh, and, and Ryan, you, you made this joke. Uh, we, we were talking about how like DeFi tokens have absolutely mooned. And one of our topics of the last state of the nation was like the ratio of the aggregate market cap of all tokens on Ethereum, all ERC-20 tokens on Ethereum to Ether. Like the total market cap of all tokens surpassed the total market cap of Ether. And yeah, so we and then you about, said something. You we said something. We're talking about security concerns. We're talking okay. about security right, right, right. concerns. Like, right? Yeah. So like Ether protects Ethereum, but now the things that it protects are higher than the walls that are protecting it. So it's, it's right. a risk. And, I, and, and so we were talking about like, does this invalidate the FAT protocol thesis? Like what is Ether going to track this thing? Like, is this insecure? And, I, and what I said was that, you know, like, sure, we can talk about the invalidation of the FAT protocol thesis, but that just goes out the door the moment Ether like moons to $300. I've got a chart up and, and I show the chart. Yeah, go for it. And, and Ryan and Ryan, you asked me like, okay, so when does that happen? And I go, uh, tomorrow. And I was three days ahead <laughs> of schedule. <laughs> I was three days ahead of schedule. Yeah. Okay. So I was uh, not purposely doing that. I was accidentally right. Let, let it be clear. But, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think you should be modest, David. I mean, all of your predictions on state of the nation to my knowledge have come true so far. So why be not modest about it? I mean, you, you just call the plays and then it happens. Yeah, this is so far uh, so good. Price on Tuesday when we when we published was 236. And then maybe you're moving markets. Maybe that's what you're doing because um then we <laughs> a week later, uh 322, and you, you totally called it. Even oh close to the number, right? I think you said from 230 to like 300 or something yeah, like that in the last day of the nation. Mm -hmm. Um so well done, sir. I look forward to really reading the prospectus for your uh, new hedge fund <laughs> that you are initiating. <laughs> It could be exciting. But yeah, look, it's been a good week. I mean, we've been talking about this uh, for a while mm -hmm. on Bankless in general. So um, what we saw, if we just kind of like like zoom out, right? well, I still have the chart here, right? Um, let's look at the three-month. So um, yield farming is only two months old. 
right now mm-hmm. at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And that's been a sort of a new template, uh, a new catalyst for the entire DeFi ecosystem. That started around May, right? And then what we saw from May until like June was um, DeFi tokens absolutely take off and basically leave Ether in the dust. Mm-hmm. So people were saying things like, well, does that mean um, Ether is just, uh, just used for gas? Um, that it's not it's not correlated to the success of DeFi. We could have DeFi worth you know a trillion dollars, and uh, little Ether is worth sixteen billion still. You know, hovering at two hundred uh, per ETH. Um, and then you know, so that, that was the conversation for the past two months. And now we're starting to see a bit of a rise that we've been talking about for a while. I, I do think that um, the, the bankless thesis is pretty bullish. Uh, on ETH as a monetary asset, as the reserve currency for this entire DeFi experiment, as the the uh, the, the lowest layer in the protocol sync thesis, the economic bandwidth for this space. If you've never heard those terms before, um, you got to check out Bankless material and uh, take a look at the guide and, and read up on those terms, listen to those terms, because it's kind of a core part of the thesis so far. And it was good to see. I had a lot of fun with this one, David. So um, <laughs> it started, so every, every, uh, every time the price went up $10, I just tweeted out like the price at this is hilarious because I do think it's hilarious. Even the price now to me is not commensurate with the value that Ether is bringing the growth of DeFi or even like the, relative val- the re- value relative to Bitcoin. I think it's all underpriced. Mm-hmm. I just kept doing it every 10, every 10, $10. <laughs> every $10. <laughs> And you can just dig into this. Look at this. Oh man, this <laughs> so here's two eighty three. I, I did just, not see this. I missed this. You missed this? I oh, missed it's this. fun, man. I was just yeah. like, you know, and and people said I had a bot. I didn't have a bot. I was actually looking at things. Um, it started with this though, and that's kind of the core tenant mm-hmm. when you when you dig enough. Um, staking plus DeFi is going to put more demand on ETH than ICOs ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about the scarcity thesis of ETH, right? And I mean, you wrote a fantastic article about that, but um, that I think there's some market validation that maybe this is coming true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like the, the, De- the, absolutely the DeFi narrative caused this price increase. And, and uh, I think Eric and Anthony on the ETH Hub podcast called this lo- a long time ago where they said that the comp token may just kick off a bull market. And I think that that is exactly what happened. And it wasn't necessarily the comp token itself. It's not just about comp token, although that comp token is a core component of this. It's the token model, right? The the governance token model that governs over the cash flows of these protocols are valuable tokens. And like we've talked about with Chris Bernitsky, like we talked about with Dan Elitzer, we can evaluate these things on the ways that we've always evaluated capital assets throughout time. Now, like DeFi has gotten to that point. So that's bullish. And then the liquidity mining of people really striving to provide work to access these tokens created their own mania. And then now this mania has just topped off with the urine protocol, which is still nascent, right? But like, it's all coalesced into, uh, you know, this DeFi mania, this growth of this growth of DeFi, which is just growth of finance, this new finance, this bankless finance. And finally, it's being reflected in the Ether price. Like Ether price is always going to be a lagging indicator of what's going on on Ethereum. And now after the DeFi uh, tokens have mooned, now it's Ether's turn. Uh, and, and more importantly, actually, I'm going to share my screen. Um, more importantly, we have had this massive drawn out bear market uh, 
where the ether price has just been suppressed, suppressed, suppressed over time. I'm not in the right time frame. Let me zoom out. Um, I am not a charter, so hold this with a grain of salt, but other people that I listen to and know are charters. And they have all been looking at like this line and maybe their line is placed differently, but they've all been looking at this line and this line is also present in Bitcoin, right? And so like, you know, here is 20, the top of 2017, uh, you know, two years ago. And over time, like this line has just been bullying the ether price up until like the 20, 20th of July. Wow, look at that. Ripped, boom, we ripped right through it, right? And so I'm not a charter, I'm not a savant, I'm not a guru, but like, quote unquote, out of the bear market. Like bear market's over, bear market's wow, dead. Wow, you're calling that. Yeah, bear, bear market's, market's dead, dead, huh? Bear market's dead. Um, and, and so like, it's really a matter of like, does that mean, A, does that mean the bull market started? And if, you know, if, the, if yes, does that mean it started today? Or is this gonna be a long drawn out? Because if you go back to the Bitcoin price coming from uh, 2015 to 2017, that was a two year crescendo before it really started to get bubbly, right? So yeah. like, What's that like? I don't know, well, but like, but bear market is dead. I mean, we've talked about this being 2016, right? Which, which was basically how Bitcoin and Ether were sort of uh, viewed then. It was a long, grueling bear market mm-hmm. in 2016. Coming out of that, uh, there were signs of life. It wasn't a full-on bear, a bull market yet, but there were definitely signs of life. This mm-hmm. does feel, again, we keep talking about like 2016. I'll tell you another thing. Maybe it's early actually 2017 because you asked last time, I say the nation, have I gotten any texts yet? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. answer this time is yes. Getting texts. So I got, I got two, right? Yeah. Um, so somebody's like, Hey, let's go for beers. You know, my portfolio is like, you know, and he gave details of portfolio, like 2% XRP, like 5% EOS and like, you know, 40% ETH and like, you know, another 30% Bitcoin, something like that. Yeah, that's, He's like, that's, how that's would you pretty, revise Pretty this? good as far as normies go. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not bad. Yeah. So, um, you know, so there's that. I also got a text from a friend. This is, this is really cool. He's like, um, you know, I want to, I want to buy this thing. Uh, it's an ERC 20 token. How do I do it? Right. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was popping. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, how do I do it? He mm-hmm. eats Coinbase. We talked about it before. And actually within like 30 minutes, um, he figured out how to move his ETH from Coinbase to MetaMask and complete a transaction on Uniswap and buy a token. Mm-hmm. Um, and he bought it at a time like right before it moon. So now it's like prices up, I don't know, double since, I mean, he is DeFi for life. Like, I don't think he's going back. Um, so the learning curve, I mean, people say it's steep, but it's a lot less steep than it was, I don't know, two years ago. People can, you could figure out how to use, how to secure your private keys and, you know, figure it out in a couple of hours. Um, and you have, here's the thing. It's like that entire time when we were talking to Daryl about Wi-Fi and you were like, you went on a camping trip and you missed it. All of the people who don't know how to use these tools right now, Mm-hmm. Um, they don't even know this conversation is happening. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be here. You have to have been putting in the time to level mm-hmm. up, to actually understand these assets in order to get exposure to an opportunity like YFI. Yep. Um, if you weren't here, if you weren't playing the game, like you just, you, you didn't get that opportunity. Yep. So that is why we talk about leveling up. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, it's not like a step gain from week to week. Mm-hmm. or month to month. It's like you're investing this time and then suddenly something happens, some catalyst, and you were there at the right time and you had the right information. You, and you leveled have up. skills. 
you had the skills, you could sort the BS from the like actual, mm-hmm. you know, assets that, and, and then, and then you made the move. Mm-hmm. You, you only had that ability because you had put in the time to, to, to level up or the past, you know, months. I'm sure Daryl, I mean, he's been in the space for, for a while doing that mm-hmm. with absolutely no return. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he's like, this thing could be big and I know it's big and I'm using it. And then bam, like he knew how to liquidity mo- and he was there. He was there. So yeah. And this there. is just a, a leads into the conversation of, of user self-sovereignty, right? Like you are learning the skills as an investment into yourself. Like the, the value of your own person is your greatest asset, right? And learning these skills, learning how to operate in the decentralized finance future, like a, a, it's a long, it's a long bet that DeFi is actually real and actually going to be a thing. That's what we're assuming. Everyone listening to this has already taken that bet, right? Like we all believe that's real. And so now it's just a matter of honing your skills, learning how to be, think critically, learning how to evaluate DeFi risk, contract risk, and communicate that, and then also take the opportunity when it presents itself. Like, and, and this is going to come because you have invested your time and energy into the space in order to figure this out, right? Totally. That's the reward on the other side of that. Um, we talk about that a lot. Okay, so uh, last thing, David, we've gone on for a while. These shows just keep getting longer, man. Should we... Uh... <laughs> Should we start closing down? How long are we in here? Uh, yeah, we are into this for about an hour. Okay. All right. All right. Wrap so let's, let's kind of wrap it up. One thing I just want to say, and this can be a show notes thing uh, to take a look at, is just to reemphasize mm-hmm. the risk that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, re- li- the least risky assets you can purchase in crypto are probably going to be like Bitcoin and Ether, like core protocol type things that have established... Um, records, but even those are incredibly risky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about something like YFI or yield farming, you start to get into a place where you're compounding risk, not just risk on ether. Yeah. You're just stacking your, mm-hmm. your money legoing your, your risk. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people need to be aware of that when they go into these systems, it is the wild West out there. We do say you can lose everything. Uh, very important that people are aware that something could go wrong. Andre, one developer, could have a bug in his code that causes the price of YFI to collapse or, or the, the thousands of dollars you put in liquidity to just evaporate into nothing. It's risky. Right. Explode um, because the state of the nation explode. is explosive. <laughs> yes. This is why we chose this word. Wow. Uh, yeah, you know, full circle here. And uh, so there, there, is, there is some good news, though. I would say is there are ways to hedge against that risk. Um, Nexus is one. We're actually doing putting out a tactic on Nexus today about you know staking with with Nexus, um, and it basically ensures against one type of risk. There are several, but their one type of risk is smart contract risk. Um, I saw with Nexus, they are insuring about um, 0.4% of all of the the value locked in DeFi. Okay, so still super small. I mean, this small is number. millions. This is millions of dollars right now. But all of the value locked in DeFi, only 0.4% of it is um, insured by Nexus. And of course, things could also happen to Nexus. Ideally, we'd, we'd have multiple providers of insurance in this space. Um, all that to say, before you get in the stacking protocol, smart contract risk, and start chasing yields, know what you're getting into. If the reward is high enough, okay, maybe it makes sense. But I mean, Vitalik said this, right? If, you know, if, if you're making a 3%, uh, you know, um, 
earnings on something like Dai, then you're, you're basically assuming that Dai doesn't have a cataclysmic event in like for, for decades, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And is that a good return for the amount of risk that mm-hmm. you're taking? Uh, so, so question that. Um, insurance can help and take a look at Nexus and the tactic that we're putting out about that. Um, Anything else you want to say on that, David? Yeah, the, the main, it, to some degree, DeFi is speculation and gambling, to some degree. Like, it's, it's also finance, and it's also, like, this new paradigm that we're all hoping comes, comes about. But, like, it's speculation that it comes about. Like, it's yep. risk that it comes about. And to some degree, that it's also gambling that it's com- it comes about. And the first rule about playing poker and the first rule about gambling is that you always position yourself so that if you get wiped out, you can still play. Like if you lose the hand, you can still play. And so that's that I think that is a, a rule of thumb that everyone should follow. Like if you buy a bunch of Yiffy tokens, wifey tokens, are you investing your entire net worth into it? And then if something goes wrong, are you effed or are you responsibly investing a amount that you can lose that leaves you able to stay at the table? Like always position yourself so you can stay at the table or otherwise it'll just be bad. It'll be bad. It's totally right on, man. And there are multiple tables. You've got your traditional world table. Then you've got your entering crypto table. And then mm-hmm. within crypto, there are levels of risk, right. right? So, you know, ETH is less risky than Yiffy. Yeah. Uh, one more, alone. one more comment on that, right? So some of these, some of these listeners, maybe this is their first cycle. Uh, this is, I have not yet completed a cycle. I came in, in, um, June of 2017. And so I feel like I can on the horizon as we go full circle into these crypto cycles, I feel like I can see on horizon where I started in the last cycle. Some people haven't yet gone a full cycle and let, let it be known that when prices go up, and you check your block folio and you're twice as rich as the day before, like your mindset changes, your psychology changes, and you need to account for that and be cognizant of that. Who you are changes in a bull market and your risk appetite will change and you need to watch yourself as that changes. And so be responsible, be introspective, be mindful, and make sure that as the bull market uh, goes on that you don't Fall, succumb to the mania and you stay rational. It's going, and it's not easy. It's not easy. When you see your block folio double in a day, you think you're a genius, but you also, you're not. So you have to be mindful. You have to be cognizant. You have to be aware of your own psychology. Know who you are. Know your limits. Be responsible because you have to stay at the table. Well said, sir. We, we need to do a tactic sometime on dollar cost averaging out. I think, um, <laughs> I think people could benefit from that as this, as the bull market continues. This has been state of the nation. Explosive is the word. That's the state of the nation today. Guys, this is um, episode seven. Again, it comes out Tuesdays on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. You get this and other videos. Last thing I'll say about risk, of course, ETH is risky. Bitcoin is risky. All of the tokens we talk about are risky. Wifey is super risky. (laughs) Yes, ultra risky. Um, Don't lose more then don't put in more than you can afford to lose but we are we're headed west and we're excited that you are on the journey with us uh state of the nation signing off